0: Hey, what's up? Thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text of God's Word and subjects related, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it, so that we might keep God's law and we might observe it with our whole hearts. This is the fourth installment of an introduction to the book of Revelation, and in this episode, I want to consider a historical sketch of the background of the book of Revelation. In the third installment, the last episode, the last podcast episode, I considered the book of Daniel as the background of the events of the book of Revelation because Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had a dream where he dreamed about four world powers. And Daniel, the prophet of God, told him that he was the first of those. The second of those was the Medo-Persian power. The third of those was the Grecian power and Alexander the Great. And then the fourth of those was the Roman Empire. And Daniel said that it was going to be in the days of the Roman Empire, the fourth kingdom, that the God of heaven would set up a kingdom that would never be destroyed. That's the kingdom of Christ, as we know from the words of John the Baptizer and the Messiah himself, Matthew 3, 2, and Matthew 4, verse 17. So as I continue to unfold more background information, let me very very briefly give a historical uh, sketch uh, to connect the first three kingdoms that Daniel foresaw with the fourth kingdom, Rome, and how that pertains to the book of Revelation. And I'll be sharing some information from uh, Drew Leonard's commentaries on the book of Daniel and Revelation. The one on Daniel is titled Exposition of Daniel, and the one on Revelation is titled Exposition of Revelation. So you got exposition of Daniel and Exposition of Revelation. From his exposition of Daniel, I highly encourage you, and I very rarely highly recommend any book besides the Bible, because the Bible is the only book inspired by God. But there are some books that can be very helpful because they're written by honest and faithful men who are loyalty to the inerrancy of the scripture and the historical and otherwise context of God's Word. And such is the case with Brother in Christ, Drew Leonard, who has written these two commentaries. And I highly recommend them to you. Uh, You can uh, get um, his books, I believe. Uh, Let me check here. You can get them from uh, c-a-d-l-e-o-n-a-r-d.com, c-a-d-leonard.com, uh, you can email Drew at com, and he can get the books to you. Uh, his commentary on Daniel's in its fourth edition and the one on Revelation is in its, let me see here, third edition. And both of these books uh, came out, these editions came out in 2021. So as a historical sketch, Many of the books of the Old Testament are rooted in another world. And so they demand serious historical attention from modern readers. And you see, that's why so many people misunderstand Revelation. And so we got to dig back into the history, and that's why... went back and considered the Daniel background and by Daniel background I meant the book of Daniel and the four kingdoms that Nebuchadnezzar saw and on which and about which Daniel prophesied there is extreme diversity as uh, about how to interpret the relationship of the biblical text to world history those messages range from devotional to critical to canonical Drew's commentary takes the conservative position that the events within the Bible are historically factual and accurate. And any view that would fail to consider the Old Testament context of the book of Daniel would be irresponsible. Any view that would take a low view of biblical inspiration would also be irresponsible. There's much history in time from Assyria to Babylon, That time period was from 745 to 627 B.C. From the time that Nebuchadnezzar had his dream, the time of Babylon to Medo-Persia, the next kingdom after him, is from 626 to 539 B.C. From the second kingdom he saw, Medo-Persia, to the third kingdom he saw, Alexander and Greece, 539 to 356 B.C. That gets us on down the timeline a ways, doesn't it? And then during and just after that third kingdom, there would be Alexander to Antiochus Epiphanes, 356 to 175. No major world power, but during that time, the major world power of Rome would be developing. So from the time of Antiochus Epiphanes, that would be Antiochus IV Epiphanes, who ruled from 175 to 164, who actually took the throne Uh, by conspiracy, we're looking at a time period of 175 to 64 B.C. And I want to encourage you to get a copy of Drew's commentary. He does a great job of summarizing the details under those headings, from Assyria to Babylon, from Babylon to Medo-Persia, from Medo-Persia to Alexander, Greece, and then from Alexander to Antiochus, Epiphanes. The next heading he has is from Antiochus Epiphanes to Rome. And then he details some events and some uh, facts about the Roman years from 64 B.C. to A.D. 96. And I really like how he does that. I think he does a terrific job. I'm not going to read that because it's a a little much than what I want to do for this uh, audio podcast, although it's worth doing I'm not going to. I'm going to look now at his exposition of Revelation, and I am going to read you a few pages. It's just a few pages that he has detailed the historical situation of the, of the first century B.C. into the first century A.D., as we call it. And, and I hope that you will, if you don't like history, you'll put on your interest, I love the word of God cap, and try to listen and get something out of it. If you do like history, you will like this. It may be that you are familiar with some of this. But I believe this information is worthy uh, to be taught and shared and remembered. And so I include this in the uh, audio podcast today. The historical situation of the book of Revelation, the most immediate historical situation, dates to the 1st century B.C., just prior to what we call the 1st century A.D., it was during the Palestinian conflict between two princes of the first century B.C. that the Pharisees of the Jews sided with a Haracanus, while the Sadducees sided with his brother named Aristobulus. During this conflict, Heracanus and his allies besieged the temple in Jerusalem of Aristobulus and the Sadducees in 63 B.C. So 63 years prior to Jesus' coming, you've got a lot of battles going on in, the, in what was called the Holy Lands, the Bible Lands. And at the time of the siege, Aristobulus sent an envoy to, con- to connect with Pompey, the military leader of the up-and-coming Roman Republic. After a grand turn of events and a second trip to Jerusalem, Pompey, the Roman leader, sided with Heracanus and besieged Jerusalem. After taking Jerusalem, the temple and the most holy place were desecrated by the Romans, and Heracanus was appointed as high priest. But a dark time loomed over Rome, and civil war broke out after Crassus' death, At which time Julius Caesar, I know you've heard his name, defeated Pompey in 49 BC. Julius Caesar, Pompey, and Crassus once composed what is called the first triumvirate, this tri-power of three men. Through Julius Caesar, Rome transitioned from a republic to an empire, even though he died 17 years before Rome became an empire. Julius Caesar died in 44 B.C., 17 years before Rome became an empire. But, But through Julius Caesar, Rome made this transition from republic to empire. But while Julius Caesar made Rome an empire, he never wore the title emperor. And he remained a senator until he was assassinated in 44 B.C. by Brutus and Cassius, Only two years after Julius Caesar's death, a second triumvirate was formed by Octavian Augustus, Lepidus, and Mark Antony. In order to appease Octavian, Antony married Octavian's half-sister, but... Overcome by Cleopatra's influence, Antony fled to Egypt, ultimately ending with his being stripped of his titles in 32 BC. The conflict culminated in Rome's declaration of war against Antony and Cleopatra in Egypt. In 31 BC, Octavian defeated Antony and Cleopatra in the famous Battle of Actium, Shortly after, along with some miscommunication, Antony and Cleopatra both committed suicide, leaving Octavian with consolidation power, consolidated power in Rome. In 27 BC, Octavian assumed the title of Augustus, becoming the first empire of Rome. And that is so important to a proper understanding of the book of Revelation. Julius Caesar, according to history and historians, was not the first Caesar. Octavian was. Octavian Augustus became the first emperor of Rome. Octavian Augustus initially was hesitant towards associating himself with divinity. However, he soon had temples and altars built to his honor and the honor of Rome. The increase of the religious aspect increased with high priests, sacrifices, public and solemn games, and festivals. After death, Octavian Augustus Caesar was considered divine, establishing the precedent for the deification and worship of the successive emperors. That's important, too. It will tie into the book of Revelation. Earlier, in 37 B.C., Herod the Great had been appointed as a puppet king in Jerusalem by the Romans. Towards the end of Herod's reign, a certain young girl named Mary, I know you've heard of her, she became pregnant with child from the Holy Spirit, Matthew 1, 18-25. Herod, upon hearing of a coming Jewish king, insisted in the murder of the child. Joseph and Mary were warned by God, and so they fled with their child Jesus Christ into Egypt. Around 4 BC, Herod the Great died, allowing Joseph and Mary to re-enter Palestine without threat. In 86, Archelaus was deposed by the Romans and appointed governors started ruling in Jerusalem. During the Roman rule over Jerusalem, Jesus Christ lived during the reigns of Augustus Octavian Caesar, 27 BC to AD 14, and Tiberius Caesar, AD 14 through 37. And you need to compare Luke chapter 2, verses 1 and following, and also Luke chapter 3, verse 1, with this study. It was during the reign of Augustus that that Valerius Gratus and Pontius Pilate were appointed as governors over Jerusalem. Okay? During the reign of Caesar Augustus, these two men, Valerius Gratus, who, who was ruler Roman, I would say Roman governor, from AD fifteen to twenty seven, and then Pontius Pilate. We're familiar as Christians with Pontius Pilate. He was governor of Jerusalem AD twenty six to thirty-six. These two men were appointed as governors over Jerusalem, again, under the reign during the reign of Caesar Augustus. Gratus appointed Caiaphas, son-in-law to Annas. See John chapter 18, verse 13. He appointed him as high priest in Jerusalem. And Pilate, when his time came, he was no friend of the Jews. It was during the rule of Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor in Jerusalem, that the Jews insisted on crucifying Jesus Christ. The text is plain that Pilate contented the people. Mark 15:15 15, 15. This was not the first time or event in which Jerusalem had become a plague to the Roman political view. The Jews were subject to the Romans and were often fearful of losing their place because of stirring up too much strife. John Chapter 11 verse 48 When Christ died on the cross cross the evangelistic zeal of the Christian community spread rapidly. The book of Acts demonstrates the stir that was taking place in Jerusalem between the Jews and the Christians, Acts chapters 2 through 7. But the conflict was not limited to Jerusalem alone, Acts chapter 17 and 18. When Claudius Caesar, who ruled from AD 41 to 54, took power after Caligula Gaius Caesar, AD 37 to 41, he, Claudius Caesar, drove Jews out of Rome because of riots caused by Crestus, probably Jesus Christ. The Romans still saw no difference between the Jews and the Christians, but continued to look at the Jewish nation as a disease. See Acts eighteen, thirteen through eighteen. By A.D. 54, Claudius died, possibly by poisoning, and Nero, I know you've heard of Nero, his adopted son, took power. Nero was only 17 years old when he began to reign, and Nero reigned from A.D. 54 to A.D. 68. During the year of A.D. 64, Rome began to burn because of a fire that started in the shops of the Circus Maximus thus destroying three of 14 districts in the city. Rumors spread that Nero Caesar had started the fire in order to make space for an expanded palace complex on Palatine Hill, one of Rome's seven hills. When answers were demanded, Nero Caesar blamed members of the Christian religion for starting the fire. During this time, Nero began designing various persecutions For the Christians, including having them dressed in animal skins and torn apart by dogs, having them burned to death when tied to stakes that lit his garden, and having Paul beheaded and Peter crucified, more than one has insisted that a Roman persecution of the saints started with Nero Caesar. In AD 67, Nero Nero sent Vespasian to end the revolt in Judea, But upon Nero's death in A.D. 68, the conquest stopped until Vespasian returned to Rome to claim the throne as emperor after the failure of Galba, Otho, and Vitellius and leave Jerusalem. The final conquest, Vespasian did, to his eldest son, Titus. In A.D. 70, Titus completed the job and destroyed Jerusalem, leaving it desolate, fulfilling Christ's words against the city. Matthew 24, 1-34. In Vespasian, the sixth Roman emperor, the Flavian dynasty began its reign. Vespasian leveled no persecution against the Christians, but after his son Titus reigned for a short two years, AD 79-81, his younger son Domitian took the throne. Here's where we tie into the book of Revelation even more. It was under the reign of Domitian that emperor worship reached its pinnacle. Domitian was said to have revived the spirit of Nero and resurrected a persecution that was leveled against the saints. Folks, there's the historical historical situation of the book of Revelation. Might have been more details than you were thinking, but if you have stayed with me thus far and you have at least tried to, you know, grab the essence of this entire reading, you can see that what God had said in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, that what he showed through that dream, and the prophet Daniel's prophesying and preaching, There were four world empires that Nebuchadnezzar saw. The first was Babylon. The second was Medo-Persia. The third was Greece. And there was a lot of little powers in between with Antiochus IV Epiphanes, the four rulers, uh, generals rather, of Alexander vying for power, dividing his, his, uh, his empire up. But then, as I started with the way the Roman power picked up. And again, I want to encourage you, you can read this online, you can read it in other places, but the history from Antiochus Epiphanes to Rome, like 175 to 64 BC, is some good uh, historical Roman and Jewish history and information. It's helpful to know. And then the Roman years from 64 BC to to AD 69, you get in there and you get to the life of Julius Caesar and Octavian Augustus Caesar. This is is where the, the, the dots start connecting, if you will, in our modern minds. Because when you read Revelation, the Christians of the first century were being persecuted. That's the historical situation, which ties directly into the time of writing. The, the Revelation was written in the first century, folks. As a matter of fact, the entire New Testament was written, it was originally written in the first century. Not, not the second century, not the 1600s, not the 1800s, not the 1900s, not the 2000s. The book of Revelation was not written last week last month, last year, or last century. The book of Revelation was written in the first century. And being that it was written in the first century, we we have to keep that in mind when we read it. Christians in the first century were being persecuted. Romans were worshiping the emperor. And Domitian introduced the worship of the living emperor and a forced recognition of his deity. The previous emperors, like, like Octavian and others, had not taken their claims to divinity seriously. But the Roman imperial cult and emperor worship did exist prior to Domitian's reign. And we're going to probably look at that again in its own episode But by the time Domitian comes, he was seeking imperial legitimacy. And he determined to find it apart from the Senate through the imperial cult, the group that enforced worship of the emperor as deity. The imperial cult, as I said a moment ago, it existed prior to Domitian, but it was his usage of it for his personal gain that was remarkable. In order to emphasize his reign, Domitian insisted upon the deification of Vespasian, Titus, and himself, the entire Flavian dynasty. So for the first time, a living emperor was deified. Again, we'll come back to that. We will come back to that. But Domitian persecuted the saints in a very specific way. The time of writing... Was the first century, and with Daniel's fourth kingdom, Rome, as the background of the Book of Revelation, we know the time of the writing. <coughs> now I'm going to have an episode just on the dating of the writing. I'm talking about the writing, the time of writing. You know, like, 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 what, what century? That, that's what I mean by time of writing. We're going to look again at the date of writing, and, spe- and some specifics. What exact year or you know, what years are, are the most probable years that the book of Revelation was written? We're, I'm going to look at that in an, in an episode. But, but I just want us to get in mind this historical situation. We today cannot open the book of Revelation... And just start inserting things from the eighteen hundreds, the nineteen hundreds, the, the you know, the the two thousands, the twenty first century. That is wrong, 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 wrong. The book has a historical situation, and it was written to people in the first century, not to people last year. It's not written to us. We can learn from it, folks, and we must that's why it's in there for us but it was not written to us and we got to get that in our minds why would this letter be written to christians who were being persecuted and suffering in the first century if relief and judgment was not coming soon in their time that's a question we'll look at we'll look more at we'll look more the worshiping of the emperor. We'll look more at Domitian's persecution of the saints. We'll probably grab those two together in one episode in time to come. This, I truly believe, is the background, the historical situation, the immediate historical situation of the book of Revelation. So what I've tried to do in this episode is start where I left off with Daniel, the Daniel background. And look at the four kingdoms and then see how that fourth kingdom came to fruition and some of the rulers and then how that ties into the persecution of the saints in the first century. And we're going to look at that more in time to come. I hope you've been enjoying these episodes, these introductions to the book of Revelation. I want them to be historically accurate, contextual, and biblically true and factual, obviously. If you benefited from this episode, will you do me a favor and give me a rating on whatever platform you're listening to? That would help me. Would you share this episode with others? It would help others to see it, but be the algorithm so that this material can be seen by more people than just the people that I share it with and the, and, and the people that hear it. But the, the people that hear it can be multiplied. We, we need to know, folks. We need to know the historical situation of the book of Revelation and the time of writing. And in time to come, we'll look at the actual dating of when it was written. Thanks for listening. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.